Hello and welcome back to Pharmacist Diaries, the podcast that reveals the secret lives of pharmacists from where their journeys began, where they are now and everything in between. I am your host Anisha Patel and on today's episode I am delighted to introduce Anjana Sharma to the podcast. Anjana is the current director of pharmacist services at Soar Beyond. She joined the organization in 2009 as a primary care pharmacist and has experienced a variety of roles within the organization. As a lead for the pharmacist service division, her main focus and strengths revolve around supporting NHS partners to implement effective and sustainable change at an organizational level. Soar Beyond is an innovative and dynamic healthcare consultancy and service provider. The pharmacist services team supports an organizational approach to sustainably improve patient outcomes. This includes medicines optimization, the eye-to-eye network, the use of the smart web platform, 4D service redesign, and pharmaceutical needs assessments. They are passionate about supporting practices, primary care networks, federations, and CCGs to effectively embed pharmacists as part of the multidisciplinary team. This episode highlights the value of and demonstrates what you can achieve if you think outside the box, are adventurous in your career decisions, think about challenging yourself without fear of the potential outcomes, and go outside your comfort zone. I hope you enjoy it. But welcome to Pharmacist Diaries, and thanks so much for agreeing to come onto the podcast and having a conversation with me. I'm really excited. I haven't actually recorded for a couple of weeks because okay. I had lots of episodes saved up to kind of uh, launch. So um, it's it's been a while since I've recorded, so it's kind of nice. And plus, I moved into my new house over the weekend, so I'm recording in a new space, which feels a bit strange. Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, but usually, um, uh, I guess, kind of moving into the podcast, I kickstart my episodes by asking you why you've chosen or why you chose uh, pharmacy in the first place. Um, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a really dull and boring answer, to be honest. Um, I actually randomly picked a career card when I was at school, when I was 14. I think it was just before we were starting GCSEs. And um we had to kind of think about what GCSEs you wanted to do. And I remember there being a career box. Again, this will be a lot earlier than the students now because I'm sure it's all electronically now. Um, but you had kind of went through the subjects you liked. And I loved biology and I loved chemistry. And pharmacy came through as a potential career that I should consider. I didn't like any of the other healthcare professions uh, that it also came up with. But it was like, oh, this looks all right. Um but that was it. I literally chose a card, thought pharmacy looks good. I'm going to be a pharmacist. And that was it. And it's because it kind of, kind of sounds really, really dull and boring, but it's exactly that. Um, but it gave me focus, which was really, really important. And I am somebody who always needs a focus uh, generally in life uh, in the things that I'm doing. But yeah, literally picked a card, decided I was going to do pharmacy, um, did my GCSEs, did my A levels, and um, was successfully enrolled onto a course at university and um, completed it. Amazing. And uh, it's funny that you you think like the way that you think it's it's boring. It's not. I think a majority of the people that I've interviewed have a a similar story in terms okay. of that they don't. You know, they. I guess that it's not like they were super passionate about pharmacy and, you know, they were desperate to be a pharmacist. A few of a few of the people I have interviewed and people that I speak to at work and ask why they join pharmacy, um, there are some whose either family members are in it or, you know, they shadowed pharmacists yeah. and they found it really interesting, you know, even at A-level stage when they were in a hospital, like how much pharmacists were doing. And it was quite, a, a, you know, a varied role in terms of the the jobs that you do and kind of what you do in a day-to-day um you obviously use your your brain <laughs> a lot yeah. um you know when you're clinically working in a hospital or a community pharmacy um there's a lot of you know business management and finance um teaching that there is a lot that you can gain from this career even um you know 20 plus years ago it still had a lot of variety and a lot of people say that unless they kind of had someone in their family or friends network, it's normally that the school helped them to choose that profession and they haven't really looked back since and they've always stayed in it. And I think part of 
people not having it as a, a passion to begin with, the variety within the role and being able to switch from different, um, you know, practice areas is really useful because you don't get bored. You can work as a community pharmacist and then switch over to, you know, university teaching or go into hospital or possibly industry. Um, and the different avenues make the the job really interesting. Yeah, no, I think so. And I think 10 years ago, if people used to ask me whether they would have gone, whether I'd recommend or have my own children go into pharmacy, I actually probably would have said I'm not quite sure because um, everything did actually I didn't actually think there were that many options, to be honest, 20 years ago. I think you had community pharmacy, secondary care or industry. And industry was kind of reserved for those who got a first at university. Um, and just suddenly seeing where the environment was going around 10 years ago, there was a shortage of pharmacists. It all very much seemed around community pharmacy. Or maybe that was my world at that point in time. And I wasn't quite convinced. If somebody asked me now, I think... The opportunities now are amazing. The avenues you can choose now are amazing. Um, and, yeah, I think it, this is totally the time to be waving the flag for pharmacy um, because there are just so many opportunities. The, the peer and the recognition um, is great. It's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I love it. I'm so happy in this career. And I love the fact, and I say this all the time, is that I'm working two different jobs. You know, I'm working in university at the same time as working in the hospital. And it's all under one contract, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, and you do get to work with two teams, which is difficult to juggle at times. Um, you know, two email addresses, you know, two different professionals, you know, juggling meetings and trying to, when you're part-time in one organization, is sometimes really challenging in terms of um, managing the the time that you can catch up with people on Teams or meet face-to-face. Yeah. It's really, it, that can be tough. Um, but you get used to it and you work around it and um, it's still really enjoyable. And it breaks up my week. Um, yes. That's something that I really enjoy because Monday and Tuesday I'm at Evelina. Wednesday, I'm working from home at the moment for for the university, which is lovely because I get to have the day at home. I also enjoy the school drop off and the school pick up because um, it's the only days I do it. And then Thursday, Friday again, I'm back at Evelina. So from that perspective, it's really nice. It, it, I wouldn't say it's a break, but it's just a change of scenery, um, no, which so breaks up your week. And and yeah, it's really nice. And I do get a little bit more time at home on that Wednesday, which is a, a huge benefit for me. And I love it a lot. So you started your career in community. How was that for you? Um, it was fine. I mean, to be honest, it kind of seemed the natural place for me to go. I'd done all my undergraduate places in uh, community pharmacy. So starting off with Boots, um, I managed to secure a, a great store in Sheffield, uh, which was really fast-paced, really, really busy. Um, lots of people to kind of learn from. Um which was really, really good. I, I really, really enjoyed it, to be honest, um, and kind of stuck with community pharmacy for a li- little while. But I think what I realised after a couple of years that, I, and after moving quite a few stores uh, and various management roles, that actually I did want something different. Um, and I wasn't quite sure, to be honest, but I knew I wanted something different. I wanted to be able to explore the opportunities outside of just community pharmacy. Um, and as I was at Boots, they, there was it was great to be honest because it did give me the opportunity to explore other roles um, and explore the clinical route as well. So that's when I then, whilst working for Boots, was given the opportunity of a teacher practitioner role, um, which was three days at Nottingham University and two days um, still working for um, Boots in one of their stores. But it was great because I was actually teaching what I was learning on a day-to-day basis and it was the relevance piece which was really really important being able to talk to people about what I'm experiencing in real life in my day job and then teaching that new or three days was was great um and then also as a base within the head office team as well as part of that shaping the pre-registration program with boots and the undergraduate program with boots um I kind of realized that actually that was the bit that I really really loved I think seeing people from their undergraduate days uh, and supporting them from pre-register to newly qualified and seeing their development was brilliant because seeing people grow and learn um, from entry to university to undergraduate, etc. And the part that you are actually playing in shaping them, to be honest, as pharmacists, 
was brilliant. But I think that kind of really resonated me for the rest of my career. Actually, that's what I really, really enjoy doing. Um, there's nothing more rewarding than getting that email or even the present on the last day when you were doing the pre-reg training days. Um, thank you for your support. Couldn't have done it without you. We passed our exam. Um, it's great. It's great to know that you made a difference to get somebody through something, which is their passion and their desire. Um, yeah, so that, so that was amazing. So, yeah, community pharmacy was great, which is brilliant. Yeah, and and like you said, you 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 had a split role, and you had that variety. So it is really nice to have that type of job and experience two different aspects of of pharmacy. You know, you've got your your patient care versus your, your student care. And, yeah, um, no, absolutely. And but the thing for me was the relevance piece because what I did see, because and to be honest, even now what I do see, it's quite easy to be lecturing on something or teaching or educating people on something from previous experience. But relevance and knowing the role as it is now and how it's being utilised and interpreted and the pains, the problems, the challenges, um, bringing that to life in your other role, that was a bit that I really enjoyed. And you must be able to do that as well as part of your role. So the variety is great, but being able to shape it as part of real life experience is even better. Yeah, no, I, I love that aspect of teaching on the M farm because every year and every lecture that you give will be slightly different. Now, this, the PowerPoint slides might be relatively similar, um, but when you teach it, you know, a huge lecture audience of 120 plus students and you bring your own personal kind of spin and experience and actual real patient scenarios that have come up, it really helps them to understand the context of whatever they're learning and how it applies to direct patient care. And I love that aspect, especially when I teach peds because I'm really passionate about pediatrics, obviously, because it is my job and, mm. I, and I thoroughly enjoy it and love it. And I'm relatively new to pediatrics. I'm only two years into the role. So when I teach um, the MFARM students, I'm crazy passionate and they must think I'm nuts. But um, I really genuinely enjoy that aspect of teaching because it's what I do every day. Yeah. And it's so easy to teach and demonstrate what I'm talking about because it's something that you're doing. If, if I wasn't a clinical pharmacist or if I wasn't a practicing pharmacist in the community, I think you just wouldn't have the same, uh, you wouldn't have that same feeling that you do when you teach or I don't think the students would get, you know, the most out of the lecture in comparison to if you weren't practicing at the same time and my boss has always said to me that look um you, at king's he always says like do not give up you know your, your the clinical side of your role mm. um you know it's really really important and valuable to have a mix of both and enjoy both as well um and i always think about that because i do love the split role i do find it at, you know that they they mix so well and even with pre-regers you know we're teaching pre-regers all the time at work um so elements of teaching and what you learn from a university perspective you're still using in the hospital on a daily basis it's not even every now and again it's every single day because we have pre-regers with us all year round um so yeah i do really love that um so after you you started obviously off as a teacher practitioner and then you um moved into a lecture, lecturer position. Was that part-time as well, or you did that full-time? So that was the teacher practitioner role. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's that's where I was with Not at Nottingham University. Okay. And then did you um, do some work with De Montford? I did, yes, yeah, so as a visiting lecturer. Nice. Um, so I guess that was my in-between. Um, part of the answers, one of the other questions I know you were going to ask. So I had a brilliant time with Boots, I guess, in terms of my career pathway and journey. Um, the opportunities that brought with me, brought with it um, as a teacher practitioner role and giving me that grounding of lecturing, lecturing, public speaking, all of those things. And actually all the management experience that Boots gave me, that was brilliant. And um, I do feel for some of the pharmacists now actually who don't, who miss out on some of that because when you're in some roles, you don't get those foundation management skills or people management skills um, that are part of, some of these big chain corporate um, programs, I guess, when you first start out in career. Then I had children. And I think that was part of, in my career, one of the biggest obstacles, to be honest. 
um, because I felt as if I was really getting somewhere, really enjoying what I was doing as part of that role. Um, I had two children back to back and returning to work after that was a bit of a challenge. Not that I didn't want to. I wanted to obviously go back part time, but nothing worked uh, within the culture that was at that point in time without there being I felt as, if, felt as if I had something to prove at that point then. I had to work a little bit extra harder or I remember actually one of the conversations I had at the time with uh, one of my colleagues. Will, will, I, will I have to do more because she's got children now because she won't be able to do the o- overnight stays or the et cetera, et cetera. And straight really? away, I was like, oh, yeah, I mean. That's but, terrible. But it's okay. And to be honest, I was in a point in my career that actually – it wasn't great, but it was quite clear for me that I wasn't making compromises either. I did want to be a great mum, have a family. Um, but, yeah, that was that was then my challenge, to be honest, that interim period between leaving where I was at the, at the time, I thought the best role I could ever have, um, and what do I do next? Um, I just really did think a lot of doors just simply closed. I'd kind of worked and managed 20-odd people. I'd obviously had my academic roles. But no matter what it kind of felt like at the time, there was no such thing of uh, part-time and flexibility in anything that was meaningful or what I thought was meaningful at the time, to be honest. Um, I think part-time culture, especially in community pharmacy at the time, you had to be somewhere to open up and close at a certain time. There There wasn't that many part-time roles. Um, as even with the lecturing piece at that point, it just didn't work as a job share, all of those kinds of things. So it, it was really, really tough, to be fair. Expectations were did seem to be bigger than what they were before. Might well be me being sensitive as a mum of two um, at that point in time. But to be fair, at the same time, even though that was the biggest challenge I had, I think it gave me the biggest opportunity and pushed me into doing things outside of my comfort zone there. Um, yeah. And that's when I kind of then took on uh, interim roles um, at Montfort as visiting lecturer, did locums. I'd never worked anywhere outside of Boots, to be honest, prior to having kids. Uh, but I started to do locums, found different types of work, um, did, and even took on a role in secondary care, actually, I remember now. Um, and that was great because doing that kind of portfolio working was brilliant. I learned so much. I learned of all those different roles, um, the value of all those different roles as well, understanding that actually you can work to a certain point in your career and demand a certain salary uh, in one sector of pharmacy, but then having to start right at the bottom in secondary care because actually those skill sets weren't transferable. Yeah. It was a really big lesson, but the reality was I didn't have those skills. So it didn't matter what management experience or teaching experience I had previous to that. Um, I needed to, to to kind of learn the ropes again, but that was good. Um, it gave me the aspect and um, the visibility of the role in secondary care and the challenges that they faced, um, as well as already having that skill set around me in terms of uh, pro, uh, community pharmacy. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's an interesting experience because I think now in the NHS, especially where I work and places I've worked before, um, there are a lot of parents, mums mostly, um, who are working part-time and doing job shares. Um, but it's, it is still such a challenge. And to find another pharmacist who also wants to work part-time as well can be a challenge for the trust as well. Um, you know, when you advertise something yeah. only two to three days a week, um, you know, you don't get as many applicants because, you know, a lot of the younger pharmacists who um, who want to work full time. Um, but in pediatrics, we're lucky because our network's relatively small. So, mm. you know, we might know people who are looking for opportunities or reach out in our own network, um, email out, you know, job adverts that this is coming up and, and people talk to each other. So it, it helps. Um, and I think the culture is changing, um, but not to the extent that I think it should. Because I, and I've talked about this before on the podcast is that 
the the kind of more flexible working and altering hours to support parents in terms of being there for your children, which is extremely important for most people. Um, you know, having logistical issues in terms of drop-offs and pickups and things like that is really tough. And if you don't live near family and with the recent, with COVID and you can't have family members or, you know, friends help out, it's really, really hard. Like the last year has been so challenging from a logistical perspective yeah. for us. Um, and we even, we, we've used childminders, but then, you know, we were unlucky that we didn't have one last for for too long because she also was not working and then she found a full-time job because of coronavirus so she obviously needed the income and left mm-hmm. um which is completely fair enough but then we were stuck literally stuck how do we collect our child at 3 p.m the school don't have um you know after school clubs because of coronavirus and it was just and and i guess organizations can't just let you leave at at 3 p.m. to go and do a school pickup because they expect you to see patients and you know if you're in direct you know patient facing roles it's really challenging for the organization to say yes so it and it puts you in about you puts you in a position where you feel bad even asking but actually to me family comes first I'm sorry work is amazing and I love it and I really value everything that I do when it comes to my career but family is first no matter what so for me I feel that that kind of like flexibility in terms of um, you know work-life balance is really really important and it does need to change the culture needs to change and in corporate organizations I feel um, outside of the NHS like friends who I work with um, not that I work with sorry friends who um, you know that I know and I talk to um, who are in more office-based jobs, um, you know, the flexibility is there. You know, you can leave work at a certain time, do the school pickup, deal with your kids, put them to bed, and then do an extra hour, you know, to make up the time. Well, I, I was going to say, definitely. And I, and I think when you're in a patient, that is a reality, I, I guess, when it is a patient-facing role, that you've got somebody else who is dependent on you or waiting yeah. for you, and that is the challenge. Um, and, and I guess that's part of why I wasn't able to move forward with what I wanted to do. Um, and however, I guess from what I saw, well, 12, 13 years ago when the kids were little, the only real options available were if you had a job with the PCT at the time, which was mm. a prescribing advisor because you're not patient-facing as such. You're kind of working in practice, but you're not always running clinics as such. Um, anything outside of that, unless it was an industry post uh, or a head office post, just wasn't an option. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was the challenge. But I, I guess what aggrieved me the most was that you kind of felt your career was now on pause. I know. Uh, because you can't kind of move forward, um, which I, I, I really, really, I feel for people out there that are in that situation and anything that I could do to support them to kind of say, it'll be okay. There's always something else out there for you. Um, Mm. Because I guess that's when I then did see this little advert uh, in the PJ uh, for Saw Beyond Recruiting and thought, oh, let me try. Because to be honest, PCT roles didn't really come up uh, prescribing as well. There's like one in a blue moon uh, role would come up. But when this one came up and had a conversation um, with the MD, um, it was just so refreshing that somebody was kind of open to an idea of yeah. flexible working. Um, yeah. And to be honest, I don't think if I'd not got that opportunity at the time and not kind of connected uh, at that point with the organisation, I'm not sure where I would have ended, to be honest, because having that belief that you've got the ability still, even despite being a mum, um, yeah, not not everyone has that because there's always that, oh, will there be this? Will they be called out for that? And will they be late because of the children and the drop drop off and et cetera, et cetera? Uh, and I don't like disappointing people. So for me, having that opportunity, which was with this company, to be fair, to be able to have the flexible working um, really worked for me, which was great. Um, I used to think I don't do it anymore because I've got, 15 and 16 year old now um but used to like you're saying finish at four be able to pick the kids up 
Yeah. Once the kids have gone to bed. Yeah. Um, it's important. And it's very yeah, because life. I wanted to be, I, I didn't want to, I wanted to have a great career. I also wanted to be a great mum and have a family and have time in the evenings um, with them as a family. And I'd just like to say that if anyone sees your CV, you've made that happen. So it's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> being put into the position that you were, I mean, if we are being reflective and, um, you know, thinking about the good and the bad, obviously it didn't make you feel good, but actually it pushed you to then look at other opportunities and see what would work. And actually in that, from that perspective, you got to work in secondary care and understand you know, what it's all about and what pharmacists do and you got to experience it, you know, meet new people. You obviously had the lecturer role. So, you know, you got to work in education and university and kind of see um, that aspect of pharmacy practice. And, you know, then great, you got this wonderful job at Saw Beyond and you've, you've stayed with them and you've been um, a, a loyal employee um, and, it's, and it's worked out, which is amazing. Um, so I guess it, it's a good thing. And when you um applied for this job what was the role that you were initially applying for it was a prescribing advisor um well a practice support pharmacist so this was working in practice before it was fashionable i guess <laughs> um so um this was part of um shaylen who's the managing director setting up the company and needed a team of pharmacists to work across uh, a pct at the time very much ccg commissioning kind of objectives of looking at where uh, medicines optimizations some of it was savings focus but uh, I think the ethos of the company well I know the ethos of the company is always about improving outcomes through medicines when you do good work in medicines you naturally create a saving anyway um, but yeah it was very much um, as, a, as this, um, working in practices and supporting them and optimizing medicines advising the practices to adhere to formulary better prescribing choices etc which was great. It really suited what I needed to do. Yeah, definitely. And um, and what was it like? It's nearly what over a decade ago that you had that job. What was it like to work, you know, in GP practices back then? Because it's different now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely different. Yeah. So it was twelve years ago, actually. Now that I've been with the company, um, it was different. But I guess we were they were they were forward thinking because they had a team of pharmacists working in practices and kind of got to understand the value of a pharmacist. And because we approached it as a private organisation, um, we were really able to demonstrate the value. Um, we really looked at not just about prescribing savings, but the added value part of it. We were always doing things slightly quirky or, or a little bit different, uh, making sure we put reports together. Um, but when we put reports together, we put a bit of an audio on them. So I mean, even with simple PowerPoint, you can do recordings on them even then, um, but making it a bit more interactive because actually do GPs really want to see an Excel spreadsheet or another dull report? But actually listening to a bit of an audio is quite quick and simple. What is this pharmacist wanting to convey to me as a message? How are we doing? Um, that's what we used to do. So I guess as innovation, we used to do that right back then um, because what we recognise is, GPs are busy. They've got we've got a problem to solve, and I think that's key to to part of the company's success. I think we've always been locked into what is the problem that we're trying to solve, uh, whichever organisation we're working with, uh, and recognising whether it's now or twelve years ago. GP practices is busy. GPs didn't have time. Nurses didn't have time. How do we make it more efficient? How do we support the practice in being more efficient? was kind of where we focused our efforts. Nice. And do you think that your previous experience prepared you for this role? Like, do you think that you had the right skills? I mean, obviously you got the job, so you got the, you had the skills. But personally, if you reflect back on that time, did you feel that your role in community pharmacy and your lecturer's position doing some work with hospitals set you up for this job? Um, I think so. It gave me a rounded approach uh, more than anything else. It allowed me to, I guess the, the biggest skills that I probably, the, the skills that I took from the roles from before were probably around actually time management, organising myself, the ability to learn. Um, I'd never worked in practice, to be fair, before that role, um, but I was determined. I'd understood and 
recognised and read what I needed to, to be able to A, prep myself up for the interview. But once I got the opportunity, which was the position uh, within the company, I put my all into it. And it was that ability to take on that challenge um, might be just me rather than the roles that I had, to be honest. But having that rounded approach to things and actually maybe the commercial aspect, actually, knowing in community pharmacy, there's always a bottom line. You, you had to make sure there was a profit as such. So having that commercial kind of aspect mm. uh, to running a business when you're managing a store and applying that to general practice, because they are small businesses in their own um, small entities. They have to run and operate in a similar way. It's not as obvious because it's patient care, I guess, and not seen as businesses. But actually, they do need to operate efficiently. There is... Uh, income associated with the work that they do how do we optimize that um i was very much locked into that as we were as an organization as well um so yeah probably the commercial bits i took from my community pharmacy days more than anything else um and the bits the bits that i probably picked up in academia was then being able to convey that message and articulate that message well and I guess the bit that it also probably yeah i guess the other bit it probably did bring is triangulating all of that because in general practice, you are actually dealing with community pharmacy. You're seeing the discharge medicines from secondary mm. care. And actually now that is the hub. And, that, and I know we're all talking about integrated care now. But pharmacy has always been part of that, really, if you think about it. And it's just never been connected. Mm. And also because this role was relatively new, you know, 12 years ago, mm. um, you were basically proving pharmacy's worth with the the GP practices and showcasing what we do and what we're we can achieve which I love so exciting I love that because um, that whole aspect of kind of primary care and integrating pharmacists into GP practices and CCGs I think it's so exciting Um, it's really nice to see um, the change that's happening within pharmacy and, and and how we're able to support different healthcare professionals and different networks. It, it's really cool. And um, I'm so glad that it's all happening. Um, and I haven't yet experienced it, actually. And I would love to, um, you know, one day, it will be amazing um, to see like, for example, if I was, I could see myself in a GP practice, you know, hopefully doing something that's kind of specialist to pediatrics it would be amazing like to set up a you know a a pediatric focused clinic I I would I would love it I would literally I'd be in my element because one aspect of um kind of pharmacy that I enjoy so much is building rapport with patients and at the moment um with palliative care um, in peds um, we do have obviously patients who unfortunately pass away quite soon after birth um, but we also have long-term patients who are in the community um, with parents obviously very highly involved in their care and they have regular checkups with the consultants um, but I'm hoping that eventually you know we can set up virtual or face-to-face kind of clinics with a pharmacist yeah. and we go through all the medications kind of you know optimize medications look at the different formulations um obviously as children get bigger and older um you have to increase the doses um so providing that kind of support and we do have a lot of issues because we use weird and wonderful um drugs don't we um you know sometimes we use diamorphine we're using the iv um ampules as an intranasal um spray or a buckle um administration and when you send that symptom management plan with the parent and they rock up at the gp practice and the doctors the gp is like what you know i don't want to prescribe that and that's completely understandable it's you know it's unlicensed it's unfamiliar it's a palliative care patient and that link between pharmacy the community pharmacy and you know um the gp and the patient is really vital um so there's a lot that can be done um with roles like this and i can see you know it's going to expand and improve and the whole patient experience will get better with time which is really nice um when you visualize it you think actually yeah things are going to get better day by day well, absolutely. I'm not sure whether you're aware of the whole IPMO strategy. Uh, no, tell me. So, integrated pharmacy and medicines optimization. So, this is actually coordinating. So, this is part of what ICS has need to provide a strategy for September, I believe. I think the, the earliest submission is for June. 
Um, but this is actually about coordinating the pharmacy workforce across an area. How does all of those pharmacy roles work within a pathway um, to support a patient? So it's actually a really, really exciting time at this point in time um, for pharmacy uh, and for patients, because actually if we get this right, from my perspective, we've been waving the flag for pharmacy for a long time. And I say with our previous roles, we're a little bit ahead of the time. So when, even when the NHS England pilot came out in 2015, um, we were like, finally, the world is ready for pharmacists. But now this whole integration piece, um, not that there's a lot of traction, to be honest with you, out there. It's not the greatest of time um, to introduce or ask people to introduce a strategy to support this workforce or integrate it. Um, just because of COVID and the pandemic and the vaccination program and everything that most pharmacists are probably involved in, whichever role they're working in. Um, but it's hugely exciting. Um, we're really, really gearing up for that, to be fair, and to be able to support organisations with that. Um, yeah. Service improvement is, is such an amazing element of any healthcare professional's role. Yes. Um, it's very rewarding. I loved it. I did a lot of this in, in Abu Dhabi and I never knew how much I would enjoy it until I was immersed in it. Um, because when I worked in emergency services, initially paramedics didn't have access to any drugs, um, in the ambulances, um, nor, yeah, nor were they legally allowed to administer them. So when I joined the company, the medical director and myself liaise with the health authority, um, to make it legal. And we changed the law for paramedics. So we created a formulary. We built our own pharmacy. Um, we put all the policies and procedures and the training and education in place to um, have paramedics, you know, geared up to administer drugs. Now, obviously, in their own countries, because it's mostly expats, um, lots of British, Irish, Americans, Australians, Kiwis, they're all coming to the UAE to work. And obviously, in their home countries, they are able to administer medications. Um, but from a kind of policy and um, you know, from the government's perspective, they wanted evidence that everyone was trained up and, and you know, able to administer drugs safely. Um, so we did so much in such a short space of time. Um, and I didn't feel like a pharmacist when I, when I worked in that job because I just went into a, a very kind of high-level strategic role mm -hmm. um, working in leadership and management. And this is just when I finished my band six residency. So definitely didn't know that I had those skills in me and I definitely didn't gain those skills when I worked as a resident um you know not exactly but when I fell into that role and I worked with a medical director I learned so much at a fast pace and all the kind of skills that I had from residency so you know being really organized working under pressure um you know good communication you know with other healthcare professionals and people that we don't know um all of that I think prepared me for that job surprisingly um but it wasn't clinical at all um I wrote loads of you know guidelines and policies I never thought that I'd be able to do and it was amazing and I loved it and seeing the change seeing paramedics actually have access to drugs all over the country, you know, auditing how many patients we're seeing, what kind of conditions we're seeing, um, you know, saving lives, you know, someone's having a heart attack and you pick them up in an ambulance and you don't have access to anything. It was a game changer. It was completely mm. amazing. Um, and part of that job was working, um, as a formula one pharmacist. So that was really fun and exciting oh, wow. every year. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, and that was just developing the services for pharmacy, um, at the formula one, um, clinic, like the medical center. Yeah. Um, so I worked with a lot of doctors and we set up a, a little mini pharmacy basically, and then, um, training up all the doctors that were coming from all over the world in terms of the legalities with prescribing and control drugs and storage and things like that. Um, um, and yeah, it was, it was really cool. So when you get put into, when you get put outside your comfort zone, it's amazing how much you can achieve when you just had no idea. And it was only when I came back to the UK and started applying for jobs and then looking at my skills and, you know, thinking of examples of things that will come up in interviews. Then I realized, oh my God, I've done so much. 
and it's really cool and it's really different and unique and um it's going to bring a lot of skill set to you know a hospital job and you know all those skills are transferable to an 8a position for example so um yeah i got a really good grounding there and i'm really happy that i had that experience because it's helped me and my career i think so and i think you, you kind of hit a key thing we, we we have a phrase that we use we like people um we're interviewing at the moment and um when we talk to people, we, we were explaining to them, we'd like people to be in the uncomfortably comfortable zone uh, <laughs> because you need that to grow. Um, yeah. You've got to be up for the challenge. So for us, it's always about the attitude and the attitude for wanting to do something. We talk about having A players within our business and that's not necessarily having the all the skills we need for that role, uh, but that ability to learn and the ability and the wanting to learn um, I mean, like I said, if anyone said to me that I'd be in such a senior role uh, as a leadership role um, 15, 20 years ago, I would be like, well, I'm not quite sure which company and why. Mm. I, d- I just wouldn't have believed it, to be honest. But actually, I know the organisation having the belief in me, and this is kind of how we kind of cascade and grow our own team now, having somebody, somebody to believe that you can do it, and then stretching you and putting you in those scenarios, you learn as you go, to be honest. But it's yeah. just that ability or wanting and the passion um, mm. is amazing. And as I say, I think once you're in that kind of environment, you suddenly, you, you, you're delivering things that you never thought you'd, you'd do before. And um, I love what we do. Um, we're creating strategy, we're supporting organisations, having conversations at senior stakeholder level. Um and actually really making a difference but that's because really put myself out of my comfort zone for a long time to be honest um but enjoying it as I went along um and that's really really important and people should really think about that staying in your comfort zone you won't grow um and that's and that's okay for some people don't get me wrong that's absolutely fine um I think you and like myself we wanted more and we're happy to put ourselves out there yeah um, to do that yeah no I do love it I love a challenge I do Absolutely. yeah definitely um before I actually ask you more about how you transitioned into the different roles within Saw Beyond maybe you can explain to the listeners um what Saw Beyond do because I'm not sure how many people will know um what the company's about and um you know what you want to achieve so maybe you can give us a little bit of background there yeah sure um so we always think about what is the when somebody asks you what do you do or who do you work for um it's been quite a challenge in the past explaining that in a very articulate way but I think the kind of sentence I've kind of summarized what the business does we feel that we're really connected to the NHS so we make sure that we're connected to the NHS to provide the services we do um we understand the NHS we understand the challenges we understand the problems that we need to solve and with that then we provide advice or training or support to various organisations. So whether it be the NHS, the pharmaceutical industry, or local authorities. But in essence, it's really about service redesign, shaping services, or supporting organisations. It's really varied, to be honest. But it's really looking at how pharmacists or the pharmacy team um, can improve the outcomes through medicines, which ultimately then improves outcomes for patients. So whether that's through the I2I network, which is training individual pharmacists uh, through webinars and support materials, through our smart platform, which kind of brings together organisations like the PCNs or the federations, how they work together um, and support people with development planning and workforce and capability planning, um, to consultancy services with the pharmaceutical industry and um, to supporting their market access teams um, and their training divisions and supporting them to understand the NHS uh, and their value propositions. But ultimately, it's about medicines. It's understanding the role and how to get the best out of medicines. Um, we kind of organise, or as an organisation, we've got what we call as our why. I'm not sure if you heard of the Simon Sinek why. Um, our why, or the organisation's why, is to lead and connect others to fulfil our, our collective potential. So our ultimate goal is that whoever we work with, it's about making sure that we improve patient outcomes and improve um, and raise the profile of that individual or that organisation. 
So yeah, that's a, a long-winded kind of explanation, <laughs> but it, it's tough. Um, it's, it's, I, I thought when I looked at the website, I was like, there's so much going on. This is so yes. cool. Um, so I will share the links on the podcast and I'll give a, a nice description of um, Saw Beyond on the show notes and everything, which will help people to understand more about what Saw Beyond do because it's really interesting and it's something different that people might not have been exposed to before. And yeah, it's worthwhile yeah, to understand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but if I, if I focus on just two of the areas, which is probably the I2I network and the smart services that we kind of provide, um, probably the most relevance for a lot of the pharmacists out there if they're listening to this. Um, but it is around supporting training and development planning, um, especially with the environment, what we're seeing now. It goes back to when I started 12 years ago, we kind of understood what the problems we were trying to solve. When pharmacy became, I guess, mainstream with the primary care uh, agenda five years ago there was a lot of training out there and we understood there was a lot of training out there but when we were speaking to gps or gp practices what they'd say to us is it's great our pharmacist is going away and doing this training but i want them to implement how do i take that learning and get them to run a clinic next week that's what we need to kind of mobilize and quickly harness what they've learned into actually real tangible outcomes for the practice mm. and that's why we actually set up the i2i network which provides training and education but the implementation tools to support the pharmacist okay so that kind of in a nutshell supports the, the individual and then the smart platform again now that we've got teams of pharmacists working across practices and pcns as a collective how do we work together how do i support um the organization on the pharmacy team um, to develop and grow together. Because unbelievably, even now, um, we hear from practices and from pharmacists. Pharmacists turn up on day one, get up to speak to the practice. What would you like me to do? And the practice is asking them, not sure, what can you do? And six months later, they're still asking the same question. So with our kind of support services through the smart platform, we kind of really help and shape and get people to understand what pharmacist competencies are, where the development plan needs to be, and creating a vision as well of actually what that pharmacist service could look like in the future. Um, so, it's, again, it's a bit of change management, but supporting that organisation to really understand what the pharmacy potential is, um, how they can integrate, how they can work with the community pharmacy using all the services that are actually out there. Um, from a discharge medicine service to the new medicine service, how do we connect each other together? Um, but providing consultancy advice on that as well as a platform that supports them to be able to do it themselves. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And in terms of the types of um, pharmacists that you hire in the organisation, are you um, do you get applicants who are newly qualified or do you expect people to have, um, you know, a certain level of experience um, to apply for, you know, even a kind of primary care pharmacist role? So it's a mixture, to be honest. Okay. We, do do, we do recruitment for PCNs and practices as well. Um, and that really depends on what the organisation needs. Mm. For us, for the services, I guess we as our central head office core team delivers or the pharmacy team that works at head office um, delivers, you do need a little bit of experience. So you need that kind of grounding to have understood the landscape first, to understand what pharmacy is, those different sectors. Again, going back to our earlier conversation, the relevance piece is really important to us, mm. um, us being connected to, to the NHS and understanding what the challenges and the problems are helps us to solve those problems for people we're working with. So having then a team of pharmacists to also understand that, and whether that's from a commissioning perspective, so their previous experience of working in a CCG, and from a secondary care perspective, understanding the challenges around acute care and um, the challenges on that side of um, um, pharmacy, as well as then in primary care in the PCN world, all of those experiences are relevant. Um, we've actually got three pharmacists that are joining the team this year, and all three of them come from different sectors. Um, and that's great because that builds the team because yeah. we are very much around collaborative working. When, when we're, for example, if we're creating a, a webinar or if we're commissioned to run a webinar in a specific therapy area, 
we'll get the team together to storyboard what does that look like and having different people from different sectors brings together something a lot more 3D or even 4D rather than just a 2D kind of discussion um, which would have been put together by one individual um, which I think really does differentiate us to be honest um, so yeah so experience is important but being able to apply it and just think out of the box um, mm. we kind of sometimes I can't remember the phrase um, Shailen uses but we look at trying to make things simpler we know things are complex and there's no way getting away that things are complex but it's pathway redesign or just even deploying a new service within a practice or a pcm but let's do it in a simpler way let's try and find a simpler way of doing it and i think that's our key expertise and the kind of people that we take on is being able to think in that way and um, mm. has been really really important Nice. I love that. And I love the idea of having those different backgrounds within kind of an operational team because you'll get so many different ideas and their experience yeah. and, and their stories and what they've seen in real life in, in you know, in a, other GP practices in different areas, you know, hospital roles, like education roles. It, it, everyone has um, a different take on where things could grow or service improvement. Um, and I've really experienced that by going outside the box and, and living in another country and working for five years elsewhere. It's really, really developed who I am today. And I, I, I definitely, I know I wouldn't be who I am without those experiences, which makes me really happy um, because it helps me to understand where I am in terms of my comfort zone yeah. and I love a challenge I love to be to try something different and experience something new um for some people that is so overwhelming and I get it it can be but once you've done it and you've tried it I think you'd be surprised as to how much you can achieve and I do say this quite a bit on the podcast because I I hear a lot of stories from you know, friends and people that I know that even something as simple as, you know, they've worked in community pharmacy, they're not feeling very passionate about pharmacy as a profession, but they don't know how to branch out into other sectors and they don't have the confidence to get there. And they don't know how to sell those transferable skills as well, which makes it really challenging for them to take that leap, you know, and, and you need somebody to believe in them. And that, and that yeah. really resonates with me, to be honest. It makes me sad. Uh, yeah, I know. At the same time as well, because I'm. Don't get me wrong. I've worked. I have worked really, really hard uh, in the role in my pre previous roles, and even the role I'm in now to get to where I am. Um, and I think people shouldn't be shy of saying that because I think if you want to succeed, you do need to put the time in uh, and the effort in. Mm. Yes, you work smart, but you work. You do need to work hard to achieve those goals in life. Um, and often in the past, to be honest, sometimes my kids would say, Mum, you've got so much on. Why do you still do it? And the simple answer has always been, because I love it. I really <laughs> enjoy what I do. Um, I mean, I'm here talking to you uh, late in an evening. Yeah. Um, and it does feel quite natural to be talking really passionate about all of this because I do enjoy what I do and I'd want people to enjoy what they do. But getting to that stage was because and being in an organization that believes in you and wants to kind of explore that passion and harness that energy more than anything yeah, else I love it's that. really really important and I think one thing that people especially pharmacists I think to be honest um I've interviewed a lot of people over these years people settle um and whether they're happy or not they settle and actually it becomes too much hard work and then that's then the choice I think you have to you've made um but reaching out there and, and seeing what else is out there i would really really encourage people to do that because there is lots of different opportunities it surprises me sometimes when you put the adverts out for our uh, for our exciting roles i mean the variety i mean literally every day you're doing something different in our organization sometimes um and that variety is something that i love and i'm hoping that i know the team enjoy uh, as well because that's why they're still with us and when you put those adverts out, and sometimes we didn't used to get as many, we get a lot of traction now, but in the past, we didn't used to get as much traction. And we're like, oh my God, these roles don't come up. Why are people not applying? Where is that passion and energy? And we didn't quite understand it. But I think the environments, I think people are getting to that stage, knowing there's lots of different opportunities and being a bit more adventurous. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely encourage people to do that. Get out of your comfort zone and find something. Don't settle for second best. Definitely not.
Yeah. And I think it's really important that if you are a pharmacist who is in a job, but, you know, secretly wanting to, you know, try something new and you look up these new opportunities and you're just, for some, it's a, it's a little bit of fear that, you know, I'm going into the unknown and I'm not really sure what this company or this organization is really about and what it's like to work there. And I think with pharmacists as well, we, a lot of us do little bits of background research about the place that we're going to, or we ask friends who might work there, you know, what is it really like um, before we apply for a job like any, any job in, in the world, yeah. you know, you, you do your kind of networking and figure out um, whether or not you'd be a good fit. Um, but I think when there's sometimes kind of new organizations and you think outside the box and try it people are are scared that if it doesn't work out then what will I do or where will I I go it is scary um but it's having those discussions I think and being open to those discussions to start off with and to be honest I think people should go with their gut instinct I think you kind of do know in when I'm having conversations with um I think with actually all three of the pharmacists that we're recruiting this year um at this stage when I had the initial conversation with them and if I ask them now, I'll have to go back and ask them, actually. <laughs> they knew when we were having the conversation that this was the right fit. And I think you do know, don't you? Yeah, you do. When you that first interview and you're having that yep. first conversation, even when I reflect back to 12 years ago when I had that first conversation, I knew this was the organization for me. And you kind of, you connect, don't you? Um, yeah, definitely. So it's just having the conversation. I think applying is your first start, stage, looking at different opportunities. It, And again, if you're happy in the role that you're doing now, uh, that's amazing. But if you're not, then be open to exploring other opportunities. Um, It's really, really important. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that kind of, you know, summarizes what this podcast episode has kind of discussed in a variety of ways, actually, is think outside the box, you know, be adventurous think about challenging yourself and not being afraid of Mm -hmm. the outcomes of that. And, you know, even when you do go out your comfort zone and you find that it's challenging, when you sit back and reflect one year later or even six months later, you'll realize quite quickly how much you might have learned that was different to what you were normally used to. And you can then, if you don't like that job, you still have those skills to take on elsewhere. If it doesn't suit you, it's okay, but you can then utilize those skills and knowledge and experience when you apply for other jobs. So, um, you know, don't be afraid um, and, and you know, take that leap of faith. Brilliant. It's good. I'm, I'm conscious of time, so I'm going yes. to ask you my favorite three questions, um, which I normally do at the end of a podcast. So um, the first question is, being a pharmacist means... Being a pharmacist to me, even when I started till now, still means improving patient outcomes. Ultimately, that's why I do what I do. Nice. And if you had to go back in time to when you um, first joined uh, the register um, as a pharmacist, um, what advice would you give yourself? It's going to summarise a lot of what we've already discussed. Yeah. Because I think um, it's believing what you can achieve. Uh, you can have both. Um, as a working mum, career and family, um, you can have both. So definitely believe in it and you will achieve it. Agreed. And in 10 years' time, I will be. That is a really tough one. Yeah, Um, no, it's so hard. Even I I find that really difficult to answer. Yeah, 10 years is such a long time. Um, But I guess I I hope I'll be satisfied that I've waved the pharmacy flag enough uh, to make sure that we've got a connected and value workforce. I think professionally that's really important to me. Um, I can see things moving in the right direction um, nationally in terms of where uh, the NHS wants to go and with the whole most strategy. Um, but as part of that, making sure that I've supported others uh, within our company as well to make sure that they've achieved what their true potential is. Um, really keen to make sure that others enjoy that success they 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 really do and are able to grow to their full potential is really really important to me nice um i just want to thank you again for making time for me tonight and 
having time away from your family, which we've all obviously discussed how important that value is. And I've really enjoyed connecting with you. It's really nice to kind of uh, meet someone within obviously the pharmacy network, but someone who's doing something really different. And I'm excited to see um, what Saw Beyond achieves over the next few years. So um, I hope that we can keep in touch. Yeah, no, I'd love to keep in touch. It's been lovely speaking to you, Misha. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Pharmacist Diaries UK and on Twitter at Farm Diaries UK. That is P-H-A-R-M Diaries UK. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you can be notified when a new episode is released. Finally, please visit Apple Podcasts and leave me a review as it will help the podcast reach more people. If you have any suggestions for guests you want me to talk to or if you'd like to come on yourself, please feel free to contact me via social media or email at info at pharmacistdiaries.com.